AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. I think burly is an appropriate adjective. And here's Perdomo. Look at this. Hey, we're back at the fence. Can't get it. Dumb. He's only six during the regular season. And he wasn't hitting at all in this postseason. But one swing changed all that. Every seat sold. Almost none of them in use right now. Everybody's standing. And the 2-2 pitch. Hit in the air to left. Ariel is there. The Arizona Diamondbacks sweep the Dodgers and head for the LCS. Dodgers swept in the playoff series for the first time since 2006. Third down and goal. Fake Connor Dobbs retreats and floats for the end zone. It's Brown. It's a touchdown. Second and goal. Holmes wide open. Kelsey comes off the x-ray table and finds the end zone. The underneath of the field is still wide open in this situation. Wilson over the middle. Caught. Touchdown. Cortland Sutton. And the Denver offense has come to life in the second half. The right-handers pitch. Swung on. Belted. Deep right field. And it's long. Gone for Harper. A second deck three-run home run. Bryce Harper as he punishes that pitch from Bryce Elder. And the Phillies take the 4-1 lead. As Smith Schauber with a pitch, swung on, belted, up the alley, left center field, and Nick Castellanos has his second of the night. A bullet, left center for Castellanos. He had one career postseason homer before tonight, but tonight he's got a pair. It's 9-2 Phillies. Bray with those two homers yesterday, and they just weren't two measly homers. 1-0 pitch is rifled, right center field deep. Going back on it, good one, good night! Abreu with a two-run shot to right center field, and the Astros lead 3-1. Abreu with three homers in the last two games. Waiting for a 3-2 from Presley. Here it comes. Strike three call on the outside corner, and that is the ball game, and that is the series. The Houston Astros defeat the Minnesota Twins by a final of three to two, and they take the ALDS three games to one. For a seventh straight year, the American League Championship Series will include the Houston Astros. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's sports guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, October 12th edition of Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7, the Diamondbacks was the biggest reason they beat LA. Meanwhile, the Cardinals, should they trade Hollywood Brown? The Chiefs, does their dominance, recent dominance, maybe even long term dominance, might be a better term, of the Broncos, does that continue tonight? 
The Cowboys, is Dak the biggest issue? The Phillies, do they finish off the Braves today? The Astros, how about their, this is amazing, seven consecutive American League Championship Series appearances now? How about that? And also, what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 around the NFL with Eric Edholm of NFL Media. 9.30 will be interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include analysis of the Diamondbacks' sweep of the Dodgers. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the national roundup, top by rip from the headlines and from the wire. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it is the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include more phone call time. I'm sure more on the Diamondbacks and Dodgers and uh uh, whatever else, and, uh, NFL power rankings. I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about that too from Eric Eric Edholm's power rankings. In fact, right now though, onto the uh, pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reviews the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, what was the primary reason the Dodgers, uh, excuse me, the Diamondbacks swept the Dodgers, offense or pitching? And Corey is here and he has the early returns. So for 100% on pitching on KDUS1060.com. Hmm, because I might disagree with this when we get to the answer the uh, around 11.30 or so today. All right. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Diamondbacks, of course, they use the long ball with far more frequency than the regular season. And the pink staff held the Dodgers to two runs in each game to beat L.A. Meanwhile, from the uh, Twitter world, uh, the Twitter poll question, uh, the Cardinals, should they trade Hollywood Brown? And, Corey, what do we have here? little closer, yes, though, at 64.3%, no at 35.7% on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. Brown has been a really impressive, productive player on the field with multiple quarterbacks during his two seasons with the Cardinals. And there might be multiple contending teams that could use receiver help heading into the October 31st trade deadline. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, in Dallas, it's always Daxalt. Occasionally, he's deserved blame, but the Cowboys... They lost that game to San Francisco on Sunday night, the minute that the coin hit the ground in the uh, opening coin toss. Uh, I did hear it suggested on Wednesday that Trey Lance should now be the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Is Dak Prescott the biggest issue for the Cowboys the rest of the season? Meanwhile, the Phillies, their home domination continued. They are now 9-2 at home the past two postseasons after their six-home run onslaught yesterday against the Braves. Do the Phillies finish off the Braves today? Meanwhile, the Astros back in the ALCS again. Seven consecutive appearances. Highly impressive in this particular era. What has been most impressive about the Astros' success in recent years? Also, in addition to these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. There's all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060.
or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules, accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if it's simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update that will be followed by Around the NFL with Eric Edholm, NFL Media, among many uh, and, uh, many things that Eric does for NFL Media these days would be power rankings. So we'll get into that a little bit. And a few other topics, some of the things that we've talked about either in this hour or during the extra point with Kayla, a couple of topics I want to you know, bounce off of Eric because he's been covering this sport for a long time been a long time guest to the sports zone over the years and uh, he's an excellent guy for me to throw out some of my some maybe crazy ideas regarding the nfl so we're going to try that in the next segment a little bit too also once again at the bottom of the hour phone call time general discussion 602-260-1060 plus the local roundup which will include uh needless to say we'll start that with the diamondbacks finishing off the dodgers you're listening to the sports of Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. NFL Week 6 begins tonight with the uh, Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. To go around the NFL, we're now joined the sports zone by longtime guest, Eric Gadholm, NFL Media. And Eric, uh, one of your many duties are your weekly power rankings. The Chiefs and the Broncos are... I think uh, safe to say extremes in that realm. Uh, when you when you do these weekly power rankings, how do you sort out teams that are performing right now and the ceiling of these elite teams at least? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I've I've tried to explain the process. I mean, I am I, I am quote unquote new to this. I haven't done it for for NFL media until this year, and uh, I have done it in the past. And it's always a kind of a balancing act of. You know, like last week I had the Bills one spot ahead of the Jaguars. Jaguars fans were not happy. It beat them. What else do you need to see, right? Head-to-head victories is certainly one factor, but it's not the only factor. And to your point, you know, do I downgrade the Colts for not having their starting quarterback? Well, you know, the backups played pretty well. Or, you know, how do I weigh this team that's dealing with a lot of injuries but is you know, playing below what our expectations are. So it's tough. I mean, you kind of have to grade them as they are right now, but also kind of look forward a little bit. And, you know, week one games, sorry, they don't mean as much now as what we've seen in, in the past couple weeks. So the Chiefs, they, I think it's safe to say they've looked different through five games this season. Yeah. What, do you, what, do you say, what do you see when you look at the 2023 Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's, it's been impressive how their defense has come ready to play. I mean, that's, that's one thing that I think has helped keep them at 4-1 and one and, and win some close games. And, um, you know, they didn't have Chris Jones week one. Still played pretty well, right? You gave up 23 points to a good offense in Detroit. Um, you know, and one of those – and seven of those came on a, on a pick six. So, 
even without Jones, they started the year strong and have kind of held firm. If anything, they've gotten a little bit worse on that side of the ball, but not a ton. And it's kind of helped steady things offensively. They don't have a ton of takeaways on defense. They've played really well in the, in the red zone. You know, limited teams in terms of how long they can drive and, and you know, how many scoring drives they have, things like that. So it, it, they've held down, and that's allowed Mahomes to kind of work through some of his issues right now because he's, he's making some throws that aren't sort of characteristic of him or a little bit sloppier than we're normally seeing. Part of it is, you know, Kelsey only being on the field for, you know, about 60% of the snaps this year. You know, he missed entire week one. They kind of had him at a pitch count week two, got injured last week, missed part of the second, third quarter. So, you know, that that's going to certainly have an effect, but also – Offensive line, I would say, too, just in terms of penalties and things like that. Every kind of put them behind the just a little more than normal. Okay, the Broncos. Now, keep in mind, I'm only here for two and a half more hours, roughly. But what what are the <laughs> biggest re- what are the biggest reasons that the Broncos are this bad? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been on the offense or on the defense, which right now I think you would say is probably the worst. It's certainly the worst statistical unit in the league, especially against the run, but. They're also giving up half a yard per pass play more than any other team. So it's not like we're going to give a whole lot of credit to the pass defense. I mean, both units have, have struggled. Both elements of the defense have struggled. And they haven't been perfect on offense. You know, Cortland Sutton, a two-fumble game. And um, Russell Wilson gets sacked from behind and strip sack last week. And so the margin for error offensively has shrunk dramatically. I mean, they're pretty good. They can move the ball. I mean, Marvin Mims looked good. Jerry Judy's looked pretty good. Sutton's had some big games. Brandon Johnson's come on. So they have some weapons. They're going to probably have Javante Williams tonight. They love this kid, Jaleel McLaughlin. So I don't think the the offensive issues are quite as stark. But defensively, I mean, good luck. <laughs> Short week on the road against the homes. I kept them close last year, but still, I, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to get this done unless they just get in a shootout and somehow get the last possession. Are there a couple of teams that have been the most difficult for you to rank from week to week? Yeah, the Colts are one. I brought them up earlier. You know, they you know, they kind of put a hurting on the Texans who played some pretty good football this year and um they went into Baltimore and, and beat the Ravens with a backup with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. So, you know, they were one that I'm you know, the the Taylor absence his recent signs obviously have been a good development, but now Richardson's out for a month plus. I mean is that a huge negative when you consider that, you know, kind of like we're like you look at Carolina with Andy Dalton, could they be a little more efficient with Dalton versus Young? Yeah, but they're trying to develop a young guy. So I don't know how much you hold that against them. You just worry about the back of quarterback getting hurt. I, they're one of the trickier teams to, to figure out. Green Bay is another one where it's been one week good, the other week concerning, and it, you know, it just it, finding that right sweet spot. The middle class right now, I feel like, is a, a big sort of sea of, of question marks right now. Talking with Eric at home from NFL media going around the NFL. All right. Something I've talked about plenty in the last few weeks is the offensive line league wide. It seems yeah. to have regressed. Uh, do you think I'm accurate in that assessment? I'd have to probably dig in. And I mean, it would require a lot of research and a lot of study and, and talking to a lot of different people, you know, who focus on that, but thing. I certainly don't think we've had, you know, certainly you compare it to probably, 
even 20 years ago, we had that great generation of offensive tackles in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, probably carried on even farther than that. I think there was, you know, you, you almost think of teams like Pittsburgh and New England that have traditionally always had really strong offensive lines, but the last couple of years things have been pretty pretty bad in that department. And not just them. I mean, it's, it is a league-wide phenomenon. But, um, yeah, it's probably the one offensive position where you say – Play has either not advanced or clearly declined in some cases. Um, and some of it is, is teams wanting to send four and five pass receivers out in a route and keep five mm-hmm. in protection or a back or somebody who's not, you know, a, a, a great blocker. So some of that I think is schematic, but I definitely believe that there are miscast guys playing the wrong positions and teams that don't help them out. So it is really a combination of factors. You say, you know, not advance. That, that brings me right into what I was going to ask about next. Because I, I, ta- I remember Bruce Arians when he was here as a Cardinals coach. Uh-huh. It almost seemed, it seemed like an annual event every July or training camp. He would talk about how the offensive line play was kind of driving him crazy. And how the spread, he thought the spread offenses in high school and college football at that time made it more difficult for offensive linemen to transition to the NFL. Does that make sense to you? Sure, absolutely. I've heard other people say it as well. It's just saying that, like, you know, look, we, we practice in two-point stances all the time. Uh, teams yeah. have become these spread offenses that, that throw the football or throw short screens. And, you know, you can kind of get into some bad habits. There aren't very many true pass sets anymore. We have a lot of moving pockets and things like that. So, it's the irony i guess is that you know offenses have exploded right we've seen teams throwing they never have before the quarterback run game has been introduced to the nfl like it never has before but some of that has kind of covered up the fact that you know these offensive linemen when you get a special one they're they're hard to find and it's hard to to put a, a starting five together you really have to commit to resource like a secondary too i mean you know that's 40-some-odd percent of your starting lineup right there. You better invest in it, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you have a quarterback you want to keep upright and, and a run game that you you know want to be able to convert first downs with. That's for sure. Okay, so back to the power rankings theme here. Uh, there are many, many bad teams in the league these days, and because of that, uh, we're going to have, I think, more double-digit underdogs than we've ever had in the NFL season before. I'm, I'm curious, is it more difficult to rank for you to rank the top five or the bottom five? Yeah, I, I almost find it easier at the top. I mean, sure, you can split hairs and say, all right, you're, you're an idiot at home. Buffalo does belong in that spot. Or we just saw the Cowboys get blown out. Why are you still keeping them as high as you do? Part of it is because of what you just described. After a certain point, like after about the top seven or eight teams, it all kind of blends together, right? I, I have people arguing in, on on X or Twitter or whatever these days about, <laughs> hey, you've got a two and three team ahead of a three and two team. Well, I, okay, it's not the power standings; it's the power rankings. So there's got to be some kind of. I'm not just going to list all the five and O teams, four and one, three and two, et cetera, because I know some of these teams are going to end up bad by the end of the year. So I really think it's the, I'd argue, the bottom three quarters or at least the middle two quarters of it, hmm. right? Anything from about wow. nine to 25 is getting pretty challenging for me in terms of who belongs where and who deserves to be higher or lower. 
Okay, so let, let, let's kind of you know back to the elite we go here now. The, the San Francisco Sunday, Sunday night domination of Dallas. How surprised were you, and what most impressed you about San Francisco's performance? Yeah, I think, number one, the fact that the Cowboys came in and clearly were going to try to intimidate both physically and verbally, right? They were going to come in and act like the big boys on the block. And um, San Francisco withstood that. You know, I mean, even when they were ahead, what was it, 21-10, if you'd watched the game to that point, it certainly felt like they had dominated things, right? That like, mm-hmm. Dallas was kind of, right. I don't want to say lucky, but even at that point when it was a close game, a two-score game, it felt like San Francisco had just mentally kind of closed all that stuff out, continue to do what they do offensively and di- defensively, and dictate the pace of play. So, really, they dominated them in all three phases, certainly offensively and defensively. And it's it's just impressive how well-built this team is. You think about the assets they spent on Trey Lance and how big of a waste that trade was. One of the reasons nobody's talking about is, A, because they're playing so well, and, B, they've been able to use other less valuable resources to, to put together a, a first-class defense and, you know, arguably the most efficient offense in the NFL right now. I mean, you could say, you know, Buffalo or Kansas City. Whoa. Okay, let's try to hook up with Eric one more time there. Uh, so Corey, try to get him back, and we'll, I'll remember where we left off there. Plus, I want to get to the Cowboys, too, so uh, we'll try to do that with Eric here in a second. Uh, talking with Eric Adholm from NFL Media, and so we try to re-hook up with Eric in a second here. A couple other things. You know, I've, I've dabbled when I was doing – okay. All right, Eric, so uh, when uh, you know we went wrong on our end there, uh, the, uh, we were talking about the, the, the 49ers and so forth, the domination. Uh, l- let me get to the Cowboys side of this, though, too. Are their issues fixable, and how do you evaluate Dak at this point moving forward? Yeah, I mean, the fact that he had a bad game can't be glossed over, right? I mean, we, he didn't perform well, and, and especially, you know, it felt like a big week for him, and he was, he was sort of reminded of the – the disappointment in the playoffs the last two years prior, you know, a week before the game, they had just finished creaming the Patriots and everyone's asking about San Francisco. So, you know, he took it personally. I think he came into this week thinking he was going to play well, but he looked indecisive at times. Certainly the offensive line situation right now, considered a strength in August. Now it's, you know, we're, they're, they're having to sort of stick their thumbs in, in holes uh, in, in, that are leaking right now. So, um, you know, it, C.D. Lamb's a really good receiver, but they haven't always been able to get him involved. Tony Pollard puts the ball on the ground. So it's a, it's a shared responsibility. There's there's a lot going on right now that that I think is holding the whole group back. Mike McCarthy's play calling is certainly is something that, that has to be looked at. Um, they just lost Turpin, who caught the touchdown on, on Sunday. You know, Dak can't be absolved of, of, of his shortcomings. We've seen it even in wins this year. But at the same time, I also think you give up 42 points and get punched in the mouth the way their defense did. That 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 also can't be overlooked. This was a group that was dominating people the first few weeks of the season, crushed the Patriots at home, made them look silly, and yet a offense that has its sort of issues buttoned up and has everything kind of in order took care of business pretty easily. So again, I'm not trying to you know give him a pass, but 
there, there's a lot going on all of a sudden. They're, they're, you know, they're almost going to be three and three if they lose to the Chargers. They will be three and three if they lose to the Chargers. The team has been on on by. Yeah, so there's no doubt about that. That's uh, going to be interesting to watch that game on Monday night. The trade deadline's October the 31st. Kirk Cousins is the name I've heard mentioned the most, and I know, you know, one of your colleagues at NFL Media wrote about the, some trade guys and so forth. I'll get to part of that in a minute, but uh, what would be if Cousins is traded? What do you think would be the best destination or some of the best possibilities for him to go? I, my, I'll preface this by saying I don't think it happens. And, I, and Kevin, did, Kevin Patchell wrote the story you're referring to. Yeah, good piece. I mean, he, you know, kind of outlined some of the trade candidates who, who he thinks should be traded versus, and then clarified, hey, look, you know. But to, to your question there, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a it's a it's a situation where Cousins has a no trade clause, and he would have to feel pretty. Uh, I would say. I, I, disillusioned with the, the whole situation to, to move on now because he's, you know, he's, his contract has a voidable year. He's going to be a free agent next year. There's no, you know, they've talked about it. It's not a secret. I think he would rather just sort of finish up his time there and go elsewhere. But if he feels like this is a train wreck and now Justin Jefferson's hurt and, you know, Jordan Addison's banged up and, and I, what, what am I going to do behind this offensive line? I suppose he could ask for, for a way out. Uh, and they would, you know, maybe see what Jaron Hall has to offer and that sort of thing. I mean, I, you know, the Vikings are going to pivot at quarterback one way or the other. The question is whether they feel like there's value in doing it and whether Kurt feels like there's value in switching teams in the middle of the season, which is, boy, that's awfully hard for a quarterback, at least one who's expected to start whenever he, he lands at a certain place. So I, I really don't know. I don't think there's a, a high likelihood of it. I've heard people say New England, but I just I I would have a hard time imagining he'd he'd be dying to go there for a for like a seven game stint or something like that. Yeah, play behind that offensive line it doesn't seem right. like a good yeah, idea. Good luck. Yeah, the guy's a free free agent at the end of the year. He may not make it to next year if he plays behind that That's offensive it. line. Yeah. yeah. Talking with Eric at home from NFL Media. The Cardinals have very few players, quite frankly, that have trade value. But I think Hollywood Brown, and he was on this list, uh, Kevin's yeah. list, also. And I actually was going to ask this question today on our pipeline before I read that story yesterday afternoon. But uh, he's been really good here, Hollywood Brown, with a bunch of different quarterbacks. And I would assume there's a contending team out there. There seems to be a few contending teams that could use a wide receiver. Uh, I would think that he's a trade candidate, uh, a really likely trade candidate. If he's traded, what do you think the Cardinals could maybe land in return for Hollywood Brown? Yeah, I mean, there's there's still a reputation of him being a guy who drops the ball with concentration drops. Like you said, I think he's been pretty good, especially, you know, it seems they've used him in enough different creative ways this year. Even if his production yeah. isn't off the charts, you say, uh, you know, they're, they're engaging him, right? And that's a good thing. They're showing, you know, this guy can do a lot of things. So maybe they are truly showcasing him ahead of a free agent year and say, Look, we're not mm-hmm. paying him twenty, but we're not giving him AJ Brown money. But maybe somebody else will. I'll throw a team out there that's not a contender. In fact, they're, they're dead last in my in my rankings. But a team that may feel like it want it wants to get ahead of things a little bit and say, look, yeah. if we're going to evaluate Bryce Young, we have to know what he can truly do. And as much as we like Adam Thielen as a, as a reliable guy, and as much as we think Jonathan Mingo could be a 
a good player in time. You know, right now, those aren't number one type receivers. And so consider the Panthers for a moment. I don't know what they would get. I don't think it would be a large sum, but I don't think it would be a, a pittance either. I think they would get something of relatively good value. The problem is Carolina traded its first-round pick, so they may want to offer a 2025 choice or a player. So, you know, that's just one possibility that popped up as you asked the question. So, you know, maybe there are other clubs out there that I'm trying to think of a contending one that, that feels like, boy, we're, we're one receiver away. Hard to do, but you're right. I would think he's the most likely candidate on that roster. Eric, always good talking to you. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, putting up with some of my wacky ideas sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I'll have a good day, man. All right. You too, thanks. Eric at home, NFL Media, once again, uh, among many things, power rankings. When we get to the draft, uh, he'll be you know, centered in on that, and uh, we'll talk to him, uh, I'm sure, during the rest of the regular season here, but certainly as we get closer to the draft, which I assume, I've looked at the draft date, I assume that's at the end of April next year, but sometimes they change these things around, I've noticed. But not that for a long time, I don't think. Pretty sure. Maybe not. Okay, there you go. Gave all the op- uh, the possibilities there. All right, next segment, phone call time if you want to jump aboard, 602-260-1060. We'll get to some local roundup. Obviously, we'll start that with the Diamondbacks beating L.A. Can't help myself on that one because I've made jokes about the, 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 uh, the local fan base here, no matter what sport, and their obsession with beating L.A. and the rarity that they've actually beat L.A., uh, they certainly beat down L.A. the last three games. They destroyed them and uh, sent the Dodgers home for a second consecutive season, uh, losing three straight games to end their year against a division opponent in the National League uh, Division Series. The Diamondbacks took care of business last night and sent them home and all jumped in the pool, uh, which was, I thought, that that's the uh, Raul Mondesi revenge jump into the pool thing from many years ago. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time 602-260-1060. If you're on hold, I'll get to in just a second or two. First up, uh, a little on the Diamondbacks from last night. They didn't just eliminate the Dodgers. They dominated the Dodgers. It was the first time that the Diamondbacks have actually swept any three-game series against the Dodgers since September of 2017. That obviously was in the regular season. It was the first sweep of the, the, uh, the Dodgers in any postseason series for them since the 2006 NLDS against the Mets. Uh, they had played in 118 postseason series since then. Uh, that, uh, postseason games, I should say, since then. That's the most in baseball. They had not been swept in a series over that span until the last three days or three games. In this series, the Arizona outscored uh, Los Angeles 16-0 just in the first three innings of this game. That made things obviously a little easier for Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallen, and Brandon Fott who did their part uh, in the uh, to, you know, the early game cushion. They didn't allow the Dodgers to respond. Uh, the biggest surprise to me in the Diamondbacks in their five postseason games and all wins so far has been the home run dependency uh, that they've uh, had so far. 
at least on offense, obviously. Uh, they've had 13 home runs in five postseason games, and that's uh, you know, the most. Uh, you know, they obviously had four in the one inning last night with Perdomo, Marte, Walker, and uh, Moreno on Wednesday night. Uh, Moreno left that game last night with the bruised right hand. The catcher was struck by a foul ball uh, when uh, you know, Chris Taylor tried to bunt. Uh, and the x-rays were negative. He had to leave the game. The best news, among other things, for the Diamondbacks is they have until Monday for him to heal. Plus, that allows Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly to pitch the first two games of the series against the Braves or the Phillies. The Diamondbacks should be rooting for the Braves today. Make sure that they play a game Saturday night in Atlanta to decide that series. And at that point, uh, you know, either Zach Wheeler or uh, Max Freed, who I would assume would start game one for their teams, would not be starting game one if they pitch on Saturday night. Back to that home run theme, they've now, the Diamondbacks, and I usually don't go much for these historical things, but they have homered in 15 consecutive postseason games, and that goes back to 2007. On the other side, the Dodgers have now lost six consecutive games in the postseason, all to NL West foes last year. Remember, they lost the last three games in the division round against the Padres, and obviously they lost the last three to the Dodgers. I think that uh, it was uh, kind of, it was just, Basically an ass-kicking. And just to wrap things up, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman were combined one for 21 in the series. That concluded for them with eighth-inning strikeouts in a 4-2 to game at that point with a tying run on uh, on base. And, uh, excuse me, the tying run at the plate. There was a runner on base uh, against Kevin Ginkle. Uh, all told, uh, the Diamondbacks have won five consecutive playoff games, sweeping the first-place Brewers. In the first place, Dodgers. And up next, as I mentioned, the Diamondbacks, the sixth seed, remember, in the six-team National League playoff pool. Uh, they will return to the National League Championship Series for the first time since 2007. And that series against the Phillies or, Bra- or the Braves will start on Monday. All right, Matt and Phoenix was there last night. How are we doing, Matt? Uh, I was. Um, getting out of the parking lot was not fun. <clears throat> Um, uh, whatever. I bet people were probably delirious, right? Yes, yes, very much so. Um, excellent atmosphere. Uh, enjoyed myself quite a bit. Um, uh, quite a few Dodger fans there, as expected, and it was fun seeing them uh, <laughs> quietly. So I um, <laughs> wanted to talk about a few things. By the way, the Raul Mondesi reference. I love that. I'm not, I got that. I got that. I was wrong. That was Puig that did that, right? Okay. My bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jumping in the pool after they won. I remember after they won here. Oh, that's true. Yes, but I was Puig that did jumping the the jumping into the pool thing. My bad. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, yeah, Puig was hated by all for including his teammates for many reasons. So, (laughs) including (laughs) and hated by a lot others for for many reasons as well. Correct. Um, I know it happened really quickly. but should Dave Roberts have had somebody ready to go sooner than he did? I guess. But, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, he was, you know, Lance Lynn sailed through those first two innings, and I'm thinking, yes, man, are the Diamondbacks ever going to score here? Uh, so, yeah, you, you, I don't know. I mean, obviously, okay. you know, when uh, – when Moreno hit the foul ball, they were already warming up Ferguson at that point. Correct. Ferguson was one of the ringleaders to get that call overturned, uh, or at least getting the attention of the umpires to get that overturned. 
So he was warming up at that point. I really don't know how he could get anybody up sooner at that point. I, I agree with that. Did you think uh, Lavello was a little slow with the hook on Thompson? Yes, I did. Okay. I actually thought I he was – I can't believe I'm also saying this. I thought he was a little fast on the hook on Fott. <laughs> so, yeah, that was interesting. I, I, have, I can see both sides to that uh, debate. I can see both sides to either one. I mean – okay. Yeah, I think the reason Thompson stayed in is because they've got this thing going now with Genkel. Yeah. Uh, yep. But Genkel, Genkel has pitched two innings uh, more than occasionally in the yes, last you know, couple of months here. Absolutely. So, yeah, but yeah, so I think that's probably the argument there. And he okay. you know, pitched, the, it wasn't three straight days, but three straight games. So sure. maybe that played a role too. I don't, I'm just. It all worked out, but I did. It certainly was worth thinking about, and I thought about it at the time. Absolutely, as did I. Um, I have uh, an observation here um, that maybe I didn't realize until I saw this team in person. Outside of Mookie Betts and, and um, Freddie Freeman, the Dodgers aren't very good. Um, I know injuries contributed to that, I mean, especially in terms of pitching. But when you're starting David Peralta and Jason Hayward about eight years right. uh, after they're any good, um, you're just not a very good team. And then Freeman, and, it really magnifies how important Freeman and Betts are. And, and obviously they didn't do anything, and, and that led to the downfall of the Dodgers. Um, they have they have some big-time changes they need to make in that organization in I terms agree. of increasing the, the talent pool. I think the first five guys in their lineup are really good. I like uh, obviously, Yeah, I and mean, they couldn't get him out, basically, yeah. for you know, three games if it didn't He's matter. A darn good hitter. And J.D. Martinez has been unbelievable for them. And, yeah, Muncie yeah. still is – he walks and hits home runs. So, that's, that's you know, the metric – Adam Dunn like of them. Right, and they're a metrics-driven organization, so I'm yes, sure that he's, he's there for a long time. But in those first – after you get past those first five guys, we were talking about – can they make lineup changes yesterday before game three? And I yep. really didn't know what they, you know, what are they going to do? Right. Uh, really, hey. really couldn't come up with too much. And some of the alternatives, you don't want their glove out there. So um, you know, at least they put Kiki Hernandez in center field and not at shortstop. But yeah, um, yeah I, so yeah, I don't think, you know, and I've mentioned, and they use 17 different starting pitchers this year, 17. Yeah, incredible. incredible. And that's why Lance Lynn is even on their roster to start with. Absolutely. I, I agree with you, obviously. Uh, the Diamondbacks won uh, Atlanta to win today. Do you think either team is a better matchup for the Diamondbacks or somebody you'd prefer them to play? As, uh, Ooh, that's gonna be a, I think that's going to be a question for tomorrow's show, but I'll answer it now. Uh, if I'm the Diamondbacks, I want to play the Braves. I never thought I'd say so this, I. but the Braves, so their, rotation, their rotation's a mess right now. It's in big trouble. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Harper did it again. I mean, the guy is uh, He's pretty good. tremendous. <laughs> um, I, I know that maybe outside of Texas and really big baseball fans, there might not be a lot of juice, but I'm, I'm pretty interested in this American League Championship Series. What about you? Totally. Uh, you know, just the Bochi and, you know, the Dusty Baker thing. Absolutely. And remember when these teams played a regular season game, they had issues. The benches cleared, and the uh, two managers yes, were like going face. They went like to face to face at that time during it. Yep. They played. You know, they only played thirteen games in the regular season now, 
but it's a big deal, and obviously the Texas fans are pretty fired up about this, being you know, bringing on yeah, you know, bring on Houston or whatever they chanted uh, at the end of the game there. Uh, at the end, of, that was at the end of game two, right? That they did yeah. that. Yep. So, yeah. So good for them, and uh, we'll see how this goes. But uh, you know, it's uh, I'm looking forward to that series too. So it should this, this should be fun. And uh, is the key to that? I'm a little disappointed. I've been disappointed the last two weeks, quite frankly. There hasn't been more competitive play, but I'm definitely looking forward agree. to the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Completely agree. Is the key to that series if Framer Valdez can get anybody out again? I think the key to that series might actually – well, that's one of them. But I also just think that Scherzer's availability and not okay. just that, but is he effective if he's available? Sure. sure. All right, Bob. appreciate it yep. as always. Uh, call tomorrow. Talk some football. All right. I'll be here. Thank you much. Appreciate it. Good stuff for Matt, as always. And uh, we'll get to plenty of football in uh, the next uh, couple of days for sure. And uh, probably definitely in the next uh, hour, uh, next couple hours with Kayla hosting the Extra Point. All right. We'll come back and wrap up today's spectacular one-hour radio program with a uh, quick final segment of the show in the National Roundup. I'll get to as much as possible uh, during that segment, which has kind of been the case lately, which is fine. Not a problem. Uh, you, know, can, you know, some of this stuff I can spill over into the extra point. And uh, a couple of these things I can wait till tomorrow, actually. So uh, I'll combine those things for sure. All right. When we come back, it'll be uh, definitely get a little bit into a couple of things that have got my attention, either you know, ripped from the headlines or from the wire or a combination thereof, including the NFL might find George Kittle. I have a better idea for the NFL instead of finding George Kittle, is that they should use his idea and market it through people to people. Everybody's rooted against the Cowboys at some point, right? So how about market his idea? It's time for today's National Roundup. All right, welcome back. Final segment, rapid fire for today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on the uh, on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Uh, quickly, let's get through some rip from the headlines slash from the wire items. The NFL is considering finding George Kittle uh, for the T-shirt that he wore. I can't say on the air what the T-shirt said. I'm sure many of or most of you know what he was. The T-shirt I'm referring to contained a profane message about the Cowboys, uh, but apparently they're going to find him, which is just ridiculous. If the NFL was smart, quote-unquote, they should actually take the T-shirt, change the one of the words that he used, and make it less profane, and market that to all the people. And many people, and near, nearly everybody at some point is rooted against the Cowboys in their life, right? So market the damn thing instead of finding him. Give him some you know, profits to charity or something. You know, it's an easy decision, but they're going to find the dude. you got to give me a break. All right, Travis Kelsey has been listed as questionable for tonight uh, for the uh, for the Chiefs against the Broncos. It seems like nobody actually thinks that he's really questionable and he's going to play, so we'll see if that happens. College football, Alabama's stud defensive back Malachi Moore left last weekend's game against Texas A&M with a high ankle sprain. He's a game-time decision against Arkansas on Saturday, according to Nick Saban. Kansas quarterback Jalen Daniels, doubtful for the game this week against Oklahoma State, he's been out for a couple of weeks now. Didn't practice again earlier this week. I'm not sure whether he practiced today, 
but he didn't practice Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, so likely to miss the third straight game. Major Baseball, Yankees owner Hal Steinbrenner uh, said that personnel changes are possible after they had a uh, three days of meetings uh, trying to figure out uh, what the, the what they're going to do in the future after the team's worst season in three decades. Francisco Lindor had uh, elbow surgery to re- remove a bone spur from his elbow. He is expected to be ready for the start of spring training. And Darvin Hand, Lakers coach, said he wants Antonio Davis, Anthony Davis, excuse me, Anthony Davis to have six three-pointers per game. If an NFL team, or the, excuse me, I'll get this right, the NBA team facing the Lakers, I, I would just, you know, I'd be counting it down. There's your fifth one. I would want him shooting three-pointers and not hanging out on the post. So we'll see if that happen, actually happens once the season starts. All right, this has been the Sports Zone with Bob K. Stay tuned. The Extra with Kayla coming up next, including more phone call time, 602-260-1060. Thanks for listening and stay tuned. Broadcasting from the Superbook.